Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to The Art of Charm, I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best minds in the industry to teach you how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We want to empower you, so we've created one of the premier lifestyle shows that brings you tools previously only available to elite high performers. We may not have all the answers, but we do have all the questions. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here at The Art of Charm and get some great content that we don't or can't share on the show by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you like what you hear on the show, come hang out with us on the blog where we really get in-depth on some of these topics and you can further engage with the Art of Charm team there as well. Or if you're new to the show and you wanna find out more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, you can go to the website and we'll email you a starter kit of all the top shows here on AOC. We'll send you our fundamentals toolkit that covers topics like body language, nonverbal communication, vocal tonality, dating and attraction, persuasion, business networking and negotiation, relationship management, public speaking, and more. We've got our live programs running every single week here in Los Angeles, California. In fact, we've got guys from all over the world, which shows that no matter where you are, you can make it here if you wanna learn and grow. We're sold out five to six months in advance, so if you're even thinking about it a little bit, you should get in touch ASAP by phone or just email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com to get some info from us now so you can plan ahead. We're looking forward to meeting you here at AOC. Today we're talking with Dan Griffin. Dan's an author and a thought leader and a speaker on masculinity and men's relationships, but we're gonna talk about something called the man rules, these subconscious programming that us men get international, culturally installed a lot of the time, and how they harm our relationships, how we how they affect our behavior, and how they affect our ability to communicate and be intimate with other people, and I don't just mean sex, but we'll talk about that too. We're gonna to talk about how they affect our lives, which ones work for us, which ones don't, sex versus intimacy, shame and vulnerability, and how we can get past some of this programming to be a little bit more authentic for the benefit of our relationships and our significant others and ourselves. So enjoy this one with Dan Griffin. Tell us what you do in one sentence. Yeah, absolutely. I help men navigate the impact of the man rules on their relationships so that they can have more fulfilling professional and personal lives. Okay, so what are the man rules, first of all? Because pe people are like, oh, is that a book you wrote? What is that? What does that mean? Are there man rules? These are all questions you will probably get asked at some point. 
Absolutely. And and that's part of why that's in that statement. The man roles are um, they're really the messages that we internalize as little boys from various sources, from the media, from our parents on the schoolyard, all about how to be men. But so much of it is not conscious to us and it just builds up. And part of why they're called rules is because there are some really clear expectations of how we're supposed to show up as men. So are you saying that there's rules that are, are kind of like culturally installed or they're, they're subconscious maybe that, pe- that men generally are following that are maybe not good for us? Is that? Yeah, I would say it's definitely, there's a cultural component to it, right? As a trained sociologist, I, I look at that aspect of life. And what's interesting is I do exercises as I travel around the country. And the one exercise I do, whether it's with 16-year-olds or 60-year-olds or different cultures even, um, I just ask them to name what are the man rules? What are the rules that men follow to let everybody know that they're men? And it is the same rules that they list out every single time in other countries um, that I've visited as well. Really? Okay. So, well, first of all, how'd you get interested in all this stuff? Well, that's a very uh, interesting story in and of itself. And there was a confluence of two significant forces in my life when I was a senior in college. One, um, I had the opportunity to look at my own challenges with addiction. And two, I started going to a course on the sociology of women at the same time that I was looking at my addiction. And so those two together had me really start looking at really my concept of being a man, but then the process of recovery had me looking at my internal self. And so when I first started going to recovery support meetings and I walked in to my first meeting, a man tried to hug me and I was immediately confronted with men being different in that in that culture. And then 30 minutes into a meeting, I heard a guy who I had literally at the first time, at the beginning of the meeting, I had blown off. This was a guy who, he looked like a Southern trucker. He had a stained t-shirt. He had a cap saying, honk if you love tits. <laughs> okay, <laughs> classy. Well, and I had written him off. And then a half an hour into that meeting, this guy is talking about the fears that he's having. He's afraid he's losing his relationship. He's being more real than I had heard any man that I knew being. And I just began to notice something about how men were expressing themselves that was different. And I just took a real interest in it. It became my master's research. And then as I stayed in my own recovery process, I watched how that all unfolded for me. So what do you think it was that was causing you, these are the man rules of which you speak, right? Like, oh, we shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't do this or we judge people this way based on our culture. I mean, cultures and stereotypes are nothing new though, right? So how are the man rules different? It's that they're so embedded in gender. So some quick examples of the man rules would be, don't cry. When I I do this exercise, 99% of the time, that's the very first rule that comes up. And when you begin to deconstruct it, there's like 20 other rules in that rule alone. But there's like, don't cry, don't ask for help, don't be weak, don't be vulnerable, be a sexual superman, don't care too much about relationships, always win, know all the answers. And those are the rules that I get over and over again when I do these exercises. Yeah, and those are obviously things that put lots of pressure on us as men and and are are not good for, for women either, frankly. They're not. 
And, you know, it's not so much that the man rules are good or bad. It's how conscious we are of them. What I have found, I use an analogy of the water that uh, you've probably heard this, but, you know, two fish are at the bottom of the ocean hanging out and another fish swims up and says, hey, guys, how's the water? And swims off and the two fish look at each other and they say, what the hell is water? Right, because they're in the water. Because they're in the water. And we are constantly in the water of gender. So, you know, people can easily name the man rules if I prompt them. But when they begin to look at how deeply embedded they are in their lives, whether it's the man rules or the woman rules, you begin to see how they play out on a regular basis, how we make decisions because we're following those rules, not necessarily being true to who we are or who we're really called to be in that specific moment. And so it's how deeply they run and how often we're not conscious of the fact that we're following those as opposed to being more authentic in our response on a any moment-to-moment basis. Okay, so what are some of these rules aside? Okay, don't cry, got it, don't show emotion. What are some of the rules that you find, first of all, as an example, and secondly, that are the most negatively affecting let's say, American men, if we have to choose a, a, a culture. And I'm interested in, especially in the ones that, that cross cultures as well. So the don't cry um, is, a, is a big one. Do we find it in other cultures? Not as strong. But the don't be weak, that's a big one. That's a big one that transcends culture in the sense that it's don't be weak and it's be strong, be tough, be a protector, be tough. And so that's not necessarily a good or bad thing. There's an incredible uh, power and it's an honorable process to, to be a protector. But when being a protector means you're also attempting to rule um, over people or you're attempting to control people in a way that inhibits them, or when being strong means you can't let anybody in or you can't show a softer or a weaker side, even if it's going to destroy your relationship or your life in some other way, then that's when it can become problematic. But across cultures, we see still the prohibition against don't cry. And then they'll say, oh, but in this situation, it's okay. But even in the United States, we have situations where it's a little more accepted for men to cry. You lost the big game. You know, there was a very significant loss that you've experienced. And so in that moment, you may be able to express that authentically. But God forbid, as you continue to grieve that loss, that you be able to do that over that extended period of time. Uh, the sexual, the rule of sex, you take all the different rules of sex and you can condense them into one sentence. Have as much sex as possible, right. <laughs> yeah. whenever possible, with as many hot women as possible. Right, yeah. I mean, that's it's funny because you'd think that in countries where that seems to be happening a lot more. I have buddies in Scandinavia that I knew when I was like 17, and they're like, man, you guys are virgins so you're 17 or later? Because I remember being like, yeah, you know, we just lost my, my virginity, and they're like, dude, I did that when I was like 13. And I thought they were just fronting, but then the girls were like, oh yeah, it's actually really normal for like a 13-year-old, 14-year-old Scandinavian girl to have done all kinds of things that you American kids never see. Like, we have to go to the internet for, right? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we just do it with our friends and it's no big deal because they're it's just a totally different culture. And even those guys were like, let's go out and, you know, 
let's go out and hit the town and go after some girls. And I'm thinking, oh, so you, I remember thinking, you never get over this. Like you can have as much as you want, but, or at least you won't get over it through indulgence, right? You might get over it with age, uh, as I seem to have largely, but, <laughs> but you don't get over it uh, with indulgence because these guys were all over the place. You know, they were like six foot five, get any girl they want, had tons of women around them all the time that didn't think like American girls at that time, as far as I could see, about sex, and they were still totally into it. So these rules do really, they seem biological in nature, and I mean, there's a lot of evidence for that, right? So there's definitely a biological element. There's there's that piece that you're talking about, I think is so powerful, because what I've found rooted in the man rules, rooted in so many men's identity, is more of a negative identity in the sense that men have a much greater idea of who we're not than who we are. You know, I'm not vulnerable. I'm not crying. I'm not a punk. I'm not this. I'm not that. And as a result, we spend so much time constantly trying to be a man that you can't have enough sex to prove it if it's based in a negative identity. You can't have enough money to prove it if it's based in a negative identity. There's there's always going to be something more as long as it's the outside attempting to define it. And for men, so much of how we are at least taught to define ourselves is based on external factors. And is there a biological component? Yeah, absolutely, I think there is. It's that whole nature-nurture you know, component. But what I'm also interested in is this, this massive evolutionary shift that's happening that I think is really challenging us to look very critically at the degree to which we believe biology um, rules the decisions in the lives that we have as men and women. My experience, again, as a man in recovery and watching men transform into much more, I termed it relaxed masculinity, just a lot more relaxed in how we show up as men. And now we're seeing that culturally. It's challenging a lot of what we've said who men are biologically. And that's a problem because these rules are so internalized and some have biological roots that we feel like we're maybe trapped by them or the fact is we just don't see them and thus therefore are absolutely trapped by them, right? I think the degree to which we see them, Jordan, is the degree to which we can actually make a choice. That's that's the bottom line right. for me. It's not about being a certain man. You know, you'll have your idea of what it means to be an authentic man as Jordan. I have mine as Dan. Other men have theirs. But it's the degree to which I feel that I can truly make a choice and be true. I've always been a more emotional and sensitive guy. I have fought that because it's not necessarily uh, high on the scale of what makes you a man. But it's really a core part of who I am. And I've been able to begin to harness it and make it a, you know, a more authentic quality because I'm being more true to who I am. It's shining more about me as a man. But the more I fought it, the more it came out sideways, the more I made fun of other people who were emotional and sensitive, projecting it all. I had I didn't have choice. I wasn't engaged in a conscious masculinity is what I call it. Okay. Why is this important in the first place, right? Because, <laughs> you know, the answer seems really obvious to me. But if I'm 25 and I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, so all these things sound awesome. Why do I need to make a choice? Aren't they there because they work? 
Yeah, well, I think if they were there because they they worked, we wouldn't be seeing the crisis that we're seeing in today um, in today's men. There's clearly a crisis of masculinity that's happening, but I see it as an incredible opportunity. I think people want to care about it because it's like you said, the rules are changing. There is a massive amount of confusion. If we were alive 40 years ago, we would have been really clear what our role was. We'd know exactly how we were supposed to show up as men, like let's say 50 years ago, because it's already been you know, about 40 years since that massive cultural shift. Today, the roles are a lot more confusing. A lot of the young men that I talk to, they're confused. They want to show up a certain way that is more authentic to their relationships, that's more authentic to who they are. But how do they know when a man is safe to do that with? How do they know that when a woman is safe to do that with? The women have internalized these rules as much as anyone. And so you can hear a lot of women who always say, oh, I want a sensitive guy. I want, you know, a guy who will do this and do that, showing his more, quote unquote, feminine or softer side. Then when women are confronted with a man who's actually able to do that, it's a very interesting situation that can happen. And so I think for these young guys, it's how do I navigate these changing expectations today? And how can I, in some ways, be ahead of it? How can I make sure that because those expectations for how I'm supposed to be a father, a husband, a professional have changed, they're less in alignment with the man rules than ever before. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now back to the show. The rules aren't necessarily changing as much, but the rules are. And, and the problem becomes there's this weird pull between, and I guess, like you said, it's an unconscious struggle 
and I've gotten letters like this before where, where guys are like, I just want one girlfriend, she's really cool, and you know, she's not the prettiest girl in school, but she's pretty to me, I don't care, but all my friends are like, yo, this girl's hotter, you should go out with her, and then there's this, and then there's that, and these guys are writing in like, what do I do, how do I handle my friends, and my first thought is, your friends want the same thing you do, they just, they've got these man rules that are right in their face saying, you're not a real man unless you sleep with all the different girls and they have to be prettier one after the other because if you don't, you're doing something wrong, you're not a real man, you don't measure up to this invisible standard and there's no finish line. Absolutely, and so it's such a great point, Jordan, because when you drill down to that example, what these guys, whether it's the men who are enforcing the rules or the men who are trying to find a more authentic self, what they're saying is I'm looking for acceptance and underneath that acceptance is safety. And so I imagine with some of the, the weekends and the um, intensives that you do are similar to what I do in the sense that when men are given a safe place, the rules are much more relaxed. They can, they, the, the guys can talk about how much pressure they feel to have the hot woman, how much pressure they feel to be, you know, super sexual, how much pressure they feel to do this, to do that. But until somebody challenges that, the, you know, the code, so to speak, still can reinforce a lot of what exactly like you're saying, nobody really wants, but it's hard to break out of because we're all trying to prove that we're men. We're all trying to, to fit in. And it's this constant competition a lot of the times, and it may be even more subtle, you know, men who have moved into some level of consciousness, like myself, I find it's much more subtle as a father, as a husband. I notice how these rules come up on a daily basis and they affect my decisions. They affect how I interact with people. And when I'm more conscious of them, I have a totally different connection with my wife because then I can say, oh, you know what? That my feelings are actually hurt. I'm not pissed off. I'm having more of a shame response. This isn't about you. This is about me. But the man rules really say, nope, act out, anger, shut it down, control, can't be vulnerable, can't be, you know, acknowledge that inner inner weakness, so to speak, or that inner challenge. Vulnerability. Yeah, that, that happens all the time. I, I get that. I understand what you're saying here because Jenny, my girlfriend, at some point, she said, well, we don't need that. We should just save the money. And what she mm -hmm. meant was, that's a waste of money. Let's not do that. What I heard was, well, if you made more money, we could get that. You got it. And then I was cranky, and she's like, what's your problem? And I'm like, I feel bad. Like, you know, maybe if we had this product was launched sooner, you know, we could do that. And she's like, are you, no, no, no. I just, I don't want that. If we had $20 million in your checking account, I wouldn't want that. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. And that was the end of it. But if I hadn't said that, if I'd just been a prick the rest of the week, I would have just put a dent in our relationship for that week because I was feeling butthurt about, you know, <laughs> not being able to provide enough when that wasn't what she said even meant. And that's the gift right there. That example, that's the gift that men have if we can become conscious of these rules. If we can notice how often they're affecting us then we can have that conversation instead of sulking into the basement and turning on ESPN or watching porn or, you know, connecting with that old girlfriend on Facebook or any number of ways that we would disconnect 
when in truth is, you know, our feelings are hurt or it has hit some wound of ours or something that's telling us that, you know, there's a vulnerability there. But not only that, but like you said, that that feeling, that feeling of weakness, that's not true. It's not about weakness. It's just the fact that once you engage as a man in a relationship, you have to learn how to step into a totally different space. And that's a core part of my work is is exposing that incredible tension between the effective principles and skills of a healthy relationship and the man rules. You know, don't cry, be emotional. Don't be anything other than angry. Share your inner life. Don't be vulnerable, be vulnerable. Don't ask for help, ask for help. Um, it, it's such a tension that if we're not fully conscious of it, my experience at least, has been with myself and many of the men that I've known and worked with, it's very insidious. I can definitely see why this would start to, it's like water and cracks in a sidewalk, and then it freezes when you get angry about something, and you start pushing yourself away from your, those around you, your, your wife, your kids, whatever, and it can, it causes a problem, especially if you're, it's hard enough to do this when you're aware of it. You know, it took me a lot to be like, well, I feel this way, Right, but if you don't even know about it, you just you create more and more of these problems. Like you said, you retreat to the basement and you know hit your ex girlfriend up and watch porn or whatever, and then your your wife's going what or your girlfriend says what's what's going on with you, and then you get defensive about it because you don't know. Now you're fighting, you don't know why, and it's because it's it's no one's fault. It's because you've got this blurry idea of why you're upset, but not really. Again, it's a it's a great representation of the water, right? I mean, this is why I call it the water, because the more you begin to step into it, I always say that when you first discover the water and you think you're in an aquarium, but by the time you've really immersed yourself in it, you realize you're in the ocean, you know, there's there's no end in many ways. There's no boundaries to, to how, how far this can go. Every time I interact with my daughter as a father, you know, I wanna move into a certain space but I have to remember, I'm six foot tall, I'm loud, I'm intense. Just raising my voice a little bit is a completely different world for her than if I'm on my knees, gently speaking to her. Now, who in my life taught me how to do that? Not my father, I right. can promise that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got it. Right. So the shift is, one of the things I say all the time is that the cultural expectations for men have risen dramatically, while the guidance for us has changed very little. You know, men like you are putting this podcast and the weekends and the intensives that you do out there. Um, all of us are attempting to help men navigate this incredibly changed idea of what it means to be a man in the 21st century. But we've been very reactive about it. And I wouldn't say there's been a lot of intention as a whole behind helping men really move into this. Most guys are not talking about this. Or when they talk about it, they do things like, well, you, you need to be in touch with the masculine flow of energy so you can match it with the feminine flow of energy. And you know, one out of the 100 guys goes, oh yeah, definitely. And everyone else is like, uh, what? Uh, 
Yeah. What are you talking about? Because you got to already be in this weird sort of new agey mode to even pick up on it for some reason. Uh, and I don't believe that that's helpful for most people, especially if you're listening to this and you're like an engineer. You're not going, oh, yeah, the flow of energy. You're going, wait, tell me how to do this and fix this problem, damn it. So, you got it. You, you got it. I mean, it was, it, I was very um, intrigued by your conversation with Dan Millman and even with Esther Perel, right? I mean, because these are two people who are really thinking about this as well. But I remember what Dan said about New Age and your conversation with him about New Age. And for me, I've been involved in the men's movement for 20 years. I've heard the language. I've been a part of the culture. I don't have a ponytail. I don't particularly go out into the woods and get naked. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but what's going to be the message that's going to resonate with men? And what I have found, I mean, I've done this for CEOs and they're like, oh, the man rules. Yeah, the man rules are dominating our business right now. And they keep trying to have us move into this other space or, wow, I can see how this is not only hurting my professional career these days, but it's also been devastating my family. And, you know, going back to your, even your example with your girlfriend, Jenny, is 20, 30 years ago, the woman or their partner wouldn't have said anything and the guy wouldn't have said anything. It wouldn't have gotten resolved. But no. we have a totally different expectation about relationships these days. I mean, thanks to Oprah and the whole kind of self-personal growth movement, there's a totally different consciousness. And some of it, I think, has been good. And some of it has been a not necessarily as healthy or helpful. But regardless, there is a totally different awareness and expectation for how men and women show up in their relationships and do intimacy. Speaking of intimacy, this stuff the man rules the bad ones anyway. They can get in the way of this, obviously, because if we can't be vulnerable because we don't know that we're not being that way because of this rule that says we shouldn't, now we start to drive ourselves away from, I mean, well, my dad was stressed growing up. I mean, he's a great guy, I'm not trying to bag on him. But when he was stressed at work, which was like all the time, he worked for Ford and they worked him into the ground, he would just come home and yell, like, who left the orange juice container <laughs> empty? And I'm like, well, not talking to dad today. <laughs> you know, I remember sometimes my dad would be so aggro that my mom would be like, hey, put on your pants and let's go to dinner. And I'm like, OK, where's dad? Uh, He's not coming. And then we'd come home and he'd be like watching TV, totally catatonic, you know, zoned out zombie mode, not even in the TV room, but in like the other room where no one ever sits. And, uh, and my mom and I would just sort of like walk past him, not say anything. And that was normal for me growing up. And then as my dad, when my dad retired, now he's like the nicest guy. <laughs> and he just didn't, he handled stress terribly, never bothered to figure out that that wasn't normal because my grandpa was a friggin' tyrant. So my dad was really nice compared to my grandpa. And I'm really nice compared to my dad. But if you ask Jenny, how's Jordan doing with the, the stress level today on a bad day, she's gonna be like, yeah. He's had better days. It's not like yeah. she can't talk to me. She doesn't have to walk on eggshells around me, but I'm certainly not all smiles and rainbows on those days. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's been a huge struggle for me. I mean, I, I think part of this, Jordan, and what I appreciate about your podcast or about, you know, the message you're bringing out that other men are also bringing out and, and women as well, you know, is it, it's a, it is about getting real. It's about being honest. My dad 
was a, 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 a good man in many ways. He was also a very sick alcoholic. He was abusive, um, very abusive, uh, physically, emotionally, um, mentally, and he was very sick. And he had a lot of childhood trauma that I never even knew about until after he died. And it's been 20 years since his death. You know, well, why do I share that? Well, I share that because like, that's how I learned to be a man. I could write you the most beautiful intellectual description of what a man in the 21st century should look like. And then I could have you interview my wife, talk to my daughter, or even if I were to be completely honest with you, I could say, oh yeah, I fail at that on a daily basis because it's not about doing it perfectly. It's about doing it consciously and taking the shame out of the equation, right? So yeah, I messed up. Yep. I got stressed, like you're saying. And for me, when I go to stress, it goes to uh, fear, control, anger, rage. And if I'm getting to rage, then I know that I'm way off kilter. But 10 years ago, I didn't understand that as much. I, I just, there was no way I was going to talk about the fear and the shame and the insecurity. I just would rather go to rage. Right, it's easier. It's an easy default mechanism, especially if your model has that too, your parents Absolutely. or whatever. Are there any man rules that are actually good, that are helpful, that work for us? So I think that's one thing I would really want to um, move away from is the idea that like, when we're thinking of uh, the principles of a healthy relationship, being vulnerable, sharing our feelings, and, and then the man rules, you know, don't be vulnerable, don't ask for help. I don't want to put them in, in a good and bad kind of categorization. The way I talk about it is this, if you had two lists on two different pieces of paper, the idea is that we learn how to dance on both sides and that we choose them when we need them. Is there a time when it's appropriate not to cry? You better believe it. Is there a time when I don't need to be vulnerable? Sure. Is there a time when I don't need to ask for help? Absolutely. And so it's not... I would say it's not so much the rules, it's how we interpret them and the degree of rigidity that we attach to how they show up in our lives that's the real problem. I value being able to do things for myself and not having to ask for help. However, when I'm getting in a situation where the frustration or the time it's taking or whatever, where it really is just a lot more productive or efficacious for me to just ask for help. And I still can't do that. That's the challenge, right? So it's it's more moving into that gray and allowing a broader tapestry for expression and for how I move in and out of my all of my relationships. Now back to Dan Griffin. As far as the intimacy is concerned, it seems like the man rule about having sex with as many women as possible and as many beautiful ones as possible, you see, or I see a lot with some of my buddies and old friends and acquaintances who are really insecure, uh, they're the ones who end up cheating. And sometimes there's issues with like the marriage and the relationship, but some of the guys that I know that cheat on just casual relationships, less so on their wives and, and the women they've chosen, but a lot of the casual relationships are that just can't seem to hold down a relationship with a high quality woman. 
that value is there for how many women can I get, they value that seemingly at an unconscious level much more than a real relationship. And the problem there is they're often the ones who are like, man, there's just no good girls that I can sort of settle down with. And I'm like, you can't sleep with a new girl every week and also hope that you find a great one at the same time. It happens, for sure. Sometimes one will just sweep you off your feet or come out of nowhere. But often enough, I've found, and this is just my observation, that if you're not sort of respecting those relationships, those casual ones, you can't really filter in a good one because you don't see it right away. You know, let's think about sex and intimacy. When, when you talk to a guy about intimacy, what does he think of? Sex. Sex. So uh, one concept I use is that of the sex funnel. And it, it's got a funny name, but, you know, there's the anger funnel. And the anger funnel basically says we take all of our feelings, we put them in a funnel, they come out as anger, some form of anger. And so we don't get to truly express the hurt, the fear, the insecurity, the confusion. And it's the same thing with sex, right? So you take all of your feelings of closeness, affection, um, attraction, any kind of want for a connection, and we put it in that funnel. And we put it in the funnel, and it comes out as sex. And it's what keeps men from connecting with each other as authentically as we want to. And it's what keeps men from being as open with women as I found they really want to. So these guys that are sleeping around, and I've known a lot of them, and I've, I've been one of them. Um, you know, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of shame. On the surface, you can use the man rules to blow it off. But when these men, again, can get real, there's this insecurity. There's this fear. And, you know, this epidemic with porn that we're having, I've heard some people talking about it, and, and I kind of agree with their take on it. But, I mean, when I think of porn and how some of the men are using it in my life, you know, you have a fight with your partner. Guess what? Porn's not going to turn you away. No. Porn, porn doesn't care if you want to cuddle or not. Porn doesn't care, you know, how you're acting. Porn doesn't care if you're drunk. Porn wants you to be drunk. Let's be, porn really wants you to be drunk. <laughs> porn wants you to be a lot of things. But, you know, so yeah, you can go to porn or you can go to sex. But it's this fundamental challenge that men have staying in intimate connection. That is the challenge. And when I hear some of the, the supposed gurus out there talking about this, what I don't often hear is they're saying, but we've raised men to be this way. I mean, we, we haven't helped men navigate. Okay. I really care about this woman. How do I allow myself to let that in as opposed to the easier thing, which really is, you know what? She pissed me off. You know, if I base the relationship just on how she looks and all of a sudden she comes out of the, bathroom one time and she isn't in her makeup and then she's been pissing me off a little bit you know it's like hey I'll go find the next one as opposed to the connection and nurturing the connection that is the real relationship so when I work with guys who are really struggling with this when they're safe enough they talk about how afraid they are they talk about how confused they are they talk about the fact that like I I don't know how to talk to her or she shuts me down. She doesn't seem to want to hear about some of my fear of my insecurity. I had a good friend who his girlfriend was so invested in keeping him in the man rules, so to speak, that even though his recovery, he's, he's a man in recovery as well, 
his recovery had him going to um, therapy and getting support for childhood trauma and, and just being able to be more present in the relationship. She couldn't allow that in the relationship and just, you know, mocked him and just basically said, it's either me or the therapy. <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, that's insane. Yes. That's absolutely insane. So why do you think she was so invested in that? That seems a little bit random. It, it seems counter. Can't really generalize. Not all partners want their relationship to be functional, but why do you think she was so invested in him staying in the rules? Well, so there's a couple of reasons that I've come to realize. One is women internalize the man rules when they're kids and, and women um, as they become women. Men internalize the woman rules, right? There's definitely the woman rules, and that's a whole nother show. But they how they combine, but you know, women, they've got that too. And some women, they they literally are like, they don't want to see a man who's sensitive. They don't want to see a man cry. That's not what men do. Now, why do they have that? You can think of multiple reasons. One is I've noticed how a lot of women use their inability to connect in a relationship as an excuse. They use the man's kind of inability to connect. They use that as the excuse for not being able to connect themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Blaming the man for not being there, not being intimate, not connecting, when the truth is they don't know how to do it. They don't have the capacity or they don't know how to do it. So as long as women, some women, can keep men in the man roles, they don't have to face their own lack of ability to be vulnerable, their own lack of ability to share their inner feelings, to step outside of a more superficial presentation. And so there are some who it's kind of like, hey, you know what? You stay in the man roles, I'll stay in the woman roles. We won't exactly be really happy, but we can be in collusion and we can get along. And, you know, every once in a while it'll be miserable, but sometimes it'll be okay. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun at all. But it sounds like codependency. Is that what codependency means? I always misuse that term. Well, there's an element of codependency in that, right? Codependency is really when you sacrifice your health to a chronic degree. Uh, for another person or for that relationship, despite all evidence to the contrary, any evidence saying, you know, that this is not working or that you really need to take care of yourself. So codependence is a, is much more of a constant in people's uh, relationships than they realize. But there's a difference between having codependent interactions, which are inevitable, versus chronic codependence or a, a relationship that you can really classify as as codependent. But if you think about it, 50 years ago, that scenario I described to you, right? that was the way we did relationships. Right, oh yeah. That's like my stereotype of 50s marriages, or, or 60s maybe even. Right, so that's the shift. And there's some people who are still bought into that, and the benefit, like I said, is it protects you from having to be authentic. and of course, with authenticity comes vulnerability. So it protects you from having to be vulnerable. And you can just maintain that artificial presentation of self, so to speak. So how do we start to, to put it dramatically, free ourselves from the bonds of the man rules? <laughs> well, so I've, I've been listening to your podcast and I think of all the different folks who come on and I think, you know, if you had to distill what a lot of they're talking about. They're talking about find a path and make it a discipline. Put a discipline in your life where you're doing certain actions every day. 
And so for me, practicing regular consciousness about the man roles, and I have, you know, I have a very open conversation about this with my wife, with my daughter, about I can tell on myself. My wife can challenge me. She can say, oh, whoa, now you are, <laughs> you're getting caught up in that man rule or, you know, Dan, it's okay. You know, like you can, it's okay. You don't have to be angry with me. You're safe. Because when like me coming from a place of a lot of childhood trauma, you put me in a stressful situation and I react and my reaction is into more of a anger reaction. So I think consciousness awareness is one of the greatest tools. And one of the exercises I have men do is literally write out all the man rules you can think of and whether they're good or bad, you know, just write out everything you can think of and then circle the ones that really you notice how often they show up in your life, right? Because for some men, not asking for help is not a big deal, but they'll be the last person to be vulnerable. Or for some men, they don't feel incredible pressure to be the provider, but they have an incredible struggle asking for help. And so just that beginning of awareness and then noticing how as you continue that conversation and bring other people into it, it shifts everything. That's why I call it the water because when you can get other people to be with you in the water, it's an amazing, amazing conversation. So we write out the rules, we notice which ones show up and how they show up in our life and we record it privately. So now we're starting to train ourselves to spot these things, right? And then, of course, when I'm angry or something like that and I write down why, often it dissipates. And now we get to start to build an awareness of where these are and, and structure ways in which we can dissipate those. And of course, if we start to share these or if we start to notice these on our own, it becomes easier to share these, right? So we inch towards that goal line. Absolutely. So in my newest book, A Man's Way Through Relationships, one of the feedback I got from my first book, uh, A Man's Way Through the 12 Steps, was there's not exercises. Like, there, is there a workbook that goes with this? So I very consciously at the end of every chapter had exercises that the men could do. And almost every single exercise has them sharing it with a partner or a trusted friend or advisor, because that's a huge piece of it. You write out the manuals. Let's say you mark in blue all the ones that are working for you, that you think are working for you, and you mark out ones in yellow or red, whatever, that are not working for you. And then you ask yourself, you know, what do I want to do about that? Maybe the ones that aren't working for me, I don't want to let go of. Well, that's fine. You know, that that's fine. Just be responsible about it. And then when you move into that conversation, another exercise, for instance, I have men do is, I just say, write down 10 things that you feel afraid about. And sometimes men have a hard time even coming up with 10 things that they feel afraid about. So I say, all right, well, let's, let's look at it this way. Write down two or three things that you would, you feel afraid of that you would tell anyone. Now write down two or three things that you feel afraid about that you would only tell members of your kind of immediate community who you consider to be your tribe or your community. Now take it one step further write down two or three fears that you would only share with your inner circle. And then write down three fears or two or three fears that you would never share. And when I've done that in a group and I've had the men go around, um, almost inevitably, all of them share the fears that they never would have shared because they begin to see that 
we're all very much the same. They're, the fears that they think they can't talk about, another guy said at the very first one that he had. And so there's something very powerful in the community and in being seen as we expand this awareness. If somebody else shares something, it's easier for another person to start talking about. I mean, that's one of the big reasons that I do this show is they'll say, hey, listen, you know, I struggle with this. And I send out, I'll send out an email, uh, something that's really deep or even that's just, man, I can't be productive today. I guess, you know, everybody has this problem. I'll think, well, that was kind of a silly email. And I'll send it out and I'll get a 100 replies like, oh, wow, you have non-productive bad days as well? And it's like, yeah. Nobody ever talks about that because people think, oh, I'm the only person who has this issue. Because if you ask a, a buddy, you're so deep in those man rules, you ask a buddy like, hey man, you know, you just feel like maybe we're not cut out for this. They're like, man, whatever, man. Let's <laughs> just go lift weights and have a beer. And you get that sometimes. You know, you get that and you feel, what you, you hear that once or twice and you're like, I'm never gonna bring up any of this crap again. I feel stupid. Absolutely, and then it can become even more subtle, right? So some of the ways that men really come to feel as men is that we have a lot of success. We get a lot of whatever fame or accolades. We have a lot of money. So when even we like for, for me in my particular career, I'm doing quite well, but I fall prey to the idea though, that now people are viewing me in a certain perspective that I have to project a certain man. And then that's when it becomes very dangerous because then I move away from the authentic message. You know what? Yep. I got into a fight with my wife yesterday. It was horrible. <laughs> I said things that I regretted. I was not able to step outside of the man rules. I went right into them. I was scared. I was stressed. But you know what? We cleaned it up in a way that we've never been able to clean it up before. That's a gift. That's powerful. But if I were to say, oh, my wife and I, man, we are so awesome. We do this together. We don't fight anymore. We have, we have make love all the time. <laughs> you know? It's not authentic. And so what I hear you saying and what I hear a lot of your guests saying is the gift, the power is in the authentic life, but it's, it requires vulnerability. And so it will never, I don't think it will ever be easy to be authentic, but the payoff is invaluable. Dan, thank you very much. This has been really valuable. Yeah, thank you, Jordan. Thanks a lot for having me. This has been great. I hope you enjoyed that. I think it's really interesting. Anytime I'm able to expose some of the wiring and the programming that goes on in the, the man brain, or anybody's brain for that matter, I find it really fascinating and useful for us to use this awareness, and then now we have tools to sort of get past it. I think this is a great episode. I really thank Dan for his time, and you should too. He's gonna be linked up on Twitter if you wanna say thank you, and I'm on Twitter as well, at The Art of Charm. Now, I rely on you to help keep my finger on the pulse, so if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. Remember, it's a fanarchy, so I wanna, I wanna hear from you guys. You're, you're the ones who run the show. Bootcamp details for our live programs at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp, and remember, we're sold out six months in advance, so if you're even thinking about it a little bit, you should get in touch ASAP so we can get you some info and you can plan ahead. And of course, also on the website is not only the blog with tons of amazing articles, 
but our bonus episodes that aren't released in the iTunes feed for those of you who just can't get enough AOC. Remember to subscribe in iTunes and write us a nice review. That's one of the best ways to support the show. And of course, we have our iPhone and Android apps available as well if you don't use iTunes. That's at theartofcharm.com slash iPhone and slash Android. Special thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of the Art of Charm podcast. Go ahead and tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.